Before the news, we talked about uh, the big game coming up a week from tomorrow in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. The game will be on CBS uh, this year. And Kansas City, San Francisco will will meet again in the Super Bowl. Uh, The Niners made it. They they came back and, and shocked the Lions. And, Josh, we haven't talked. I think maybe we've sent a text or two back and forth, but I, I'm still super bummed for Lions fans. Um, almost a week after the fact, you know, considering their history and considering what they've been through, that loss was a gut punch. That that was tough. And Viking fans have had their share of tough losses in big games. In the playoffs, the NFC Championship game. You know, think think of the 99 NFC Championship game, January, 15-1 and one team. Uh, one of the great offenses to that point in the history of the NFL, and, and they got beat by the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but, but that loss by Detroit, that, that game was theirs at halftime. And... I, that that hurts. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, I I just I know I was I was on, we were on our way our way back from my friend's house and they were up by I think it was seventeen and a half. So I'm like, all right, this game's probably over. Let's you know head home. I got home and flipped open my phone as soon as I parked and wow, it is uh, it is tied and even more so. And I texted you about this. You don't go for a field goal in that situation, which. When you look at how the game played out, that was pretty much the difference. It, it, it could have easily gone, you know, been a tie game, and you could have easily, you know, made something happen. But no, it is, you know, not going for three and chancing the set, the the touchdown. There was kind of the final nail in the coffin, if you will, for Detroit. Now, yeah, I'll give Dan Campbell credit. He owned his, his his game plan. He owned the fact that he went, he gambled and went for it. But at the same time. It's that's it's just not how I don't really I'm not a fan of emotionally coach uh, emotional coaches I I respect Dan Campbell but I just think you cannot be in that situation going with your gut and going with your emotion I think you need to you know go with logic and I think that was not the logical uh, game plan No uh, I I had to check the screen when I looked at it because I I did almost a triple check. When I saw that he was that Goff was still in the field and it was fourth down, I'm like, "You're you're kidding!" They they have to be letting the clock play it down and see if uh, San Francisco jumps. No, they weren't you're doing right. that. They were going right. for it. Yeah, they they were trying to draw him off, get a little bit uh, closer for the field goal kicker because the the point in the game that you're bringing up and it still boggles my mind to this point because I did want the Lions to win. You know, I, I was born and raised here, grew up a Viking fan, but I did, and I know plenty of Lions fans, and and I knew plenty of Lions fans in South Dakota, um, and, and no Lions fans here in town, lifelong Lions fans, and and I just I felt for them. I I wanted for the division, I wanted for Detroit, and and their loyal fan base for them to get to the Super Bowl, but to have Dan Campbell not realized down 27-24, kick the field goal, tie the game, 
and then you never know how it's going to play out. No guarantee you win. Uh, it, it, it just was a strange decision. And ironically, throughout the playoffs, what did you and I talk about on Saturdays worried about Dan Campbell doing something stupid? And th- here, here's what I'll do is I'll go back to the 22 season, Detroit at Minnesota, in that magical year where everything went the Vikings' way on the way to the NFC North crown. Dan Dan Campbell absolutely gifted the Vikings the victory that day. And, And I know the players love him and they play hard for him and he's a fan favorite and a former Lion and all of those sorts of things, and and coaches with emotion and so on and so forth. But and, and I know I know he owned it. He's been a stand-up guy. But my oh my, is that painful? Take the points, take the tie, and then see how the game. No one would now if the kicker misses. The kicker misses. But the only decision there was to take the field goal and get the tie, and get back into the game, and then say to your guys, all right, we have a brand new game, we're still in it, we can still win this, we can still realize our dreams and go to the Super Bowl. It, it was just an absolutely crazy decision, in my opinion. Now, yeah, it's, I, just, yeah, I just can't just, believe that, it, that it, <laughs> you look at the, how, how far this story went for Dan Campbell and the Lions, the fan base even, I can't imagine what it would what it was like to be just that close and something that far out of your control like Dan Campbell making that kind of play call in a crucial situation in a game uh, like that. I can't imagine how much, you know, they they're st- they still have got rot from it, I guarantee you, you know, a, a week almost a week out. I, I can't even imagine what it must feel like to have that be the game plan going. It, it must feel a lot like, you know, Favre did with the interception in 09. It's got to be like, man, how did you make that decision in a game like that? And here we oh, are. Throw Detroit's across not, the body against yeah, New it's Orleans. Just, yeah. It's the same thing that Packers went through a couple weeks ago with Jordan Love. You can't do the over across the body throw and get yeah. picked in a crucial game situation like that. And here we are talking about Detroit. Just it, the, the, four, the going forward on fourth, I, <laughs> I get – that is kind of his shtick. That's that's kind of what he's done this season, and you know it didn't pay off against Dallas. We we saw that, uh, and then we we see it in a crucial game against uh, San Francisco. You can't go for it on fourth down in that kind of situation. You have to rely on your kicker, uh, get the easy three because thirty four thirty one is your final score. Uh, you make that field goal, it's a tie ball game. Yeah, just just crazy. And it sticks with me six days later. And it, and it was kind of like that that game in 22 at U.S. Bank Stadium. All season long, I would dwell on that when it came to the Lions. And, and just saying, I can't believe that that people aren't more up in the arms about Dan Campbell's coaching malpractice in that game at U.S. Bank Stadium in 22 where he absolutely gifted the game to the Vikings. And there were a lot of instances that season for the Purple. Um, I I did want to get back to the Super Bowl, and the hype really begins when the teams arrive. You'll see the the B-roll on the evening news um, 
wherever you get your news of the the plane landing at McCarran and the teams getting off the jet. You see that every Super Bowl, and it isn't going to change. Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs have arrived in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. And then you'll see the same thing for the San Francisco 49ers. Niners slight favorites. Um, I, I do want to give them, give us a little credit because going into last weekend, we had a chance to visit on Saturday about the games, the AFC Championship game, Kansas City at Baltimore, and then the NFC Championship game, Detroit at San Francisco. We already alluded to, and my specific comments, I'm still worried about Dan Campbell making stupid decisions. Now, it's not 100% on him because the defense uh, played poorly in the second half. Uh, they, they didn't make any plays to slow the momentum, etc. So there, there, there was a lot going on beyond Dan Campbell for the Lions. But back to that Kansas City-Baltimore game, one of the things I brought up was this Kansas City defense is quite a bit better than I expected. Now, everyone's, you know, hammering on um, the Baltimore quarterback and the fact that, you know, oh, yeah, he had a great year, but Wilson, big games. Kansas City's defense is pretty good, Josh. And and that that's why I think this over-under, under 50 in a Super Bowl, Points to me, we know the Niners' defense has got a good reputation, but I I think this Kansas City defense is playing really well. Yeah, um, and I think the reason why Kansas City is honestly kind of the slight underdog when it comes to this is Brock Purdy's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. He's pretty good. Yes, <laughs> yes. He he had almost a near perfect. I'm not gonna say near perfect, but yeah, he. QBR is all you need to know about how this guy's game has been this year. And he's kind of been one of those quarterbacks. I'm not going to say he's flown over under the radar because people have talked about him off and on all season, but he's one of those guys that a lot of people just don't give him enough credit for what he's doing. Oh, he had some huge field. runs, yeah. huge runs in the second half of yeah. that win over the lions. Yeah. He, he's a very, he's a multi-tool quarterback that is very capable of, uh, you know, coming straight after this uh, this uh, Chiefs secondary and making making them pay with all the offense. I mean, they're basically it's basically an all star offense when you look at San Fran. You could say the same thing kind of for Kansas City. I, I'm not going to say they have a lot of offense because their receiving core isn't nearly as good as uh, at least in my opinion as San Francisco's is. But it's pretty much an all star team when you have Brock Purdy that's that, that surrounding Brock Purdy over in San Fran. So. Uh, I'm interested to see who's going to win this defensive battle because, like you said, it, Kansas City is a lot better than people are giving them credit for, and Baltimore was example A of just how just how good they can be. Yeah, Lamar Jackson uh, had a tough day. Patrick Mahomes, uh, superb. Travis Kelsey, a big part of it, 11 catches, 116 yards. And for Kansas City, and another reason, they could get Jarek McKinnon back for the big game. I, I just think on this stage, Mahomes, Kelsey, you add another weapon like McKinnon and a sneaky good defense, I I think Kansas City wins this thing. And 
I, I'm leaning eight days out. They win this thing comfortably. If I gambled on sports, I, at this moment, I, I go heavy on Kansas City. Can't really speak to the over-under. I don't have a feel. But but I, I, I think Kansas City is going to win this game. I, I just, you know, Brock Purdy, it's a nice story. The 49ers get to the big game. I think Kansas City wins another one. I, I really do. I just, you never bet. I said this last week. I'm going to keep saying it to everybody because it seems like there's a lot of people that still don't believe in him, but do not bet against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, <laughs> just, no. He's, he's, he is as big as it gets when it comes to a big game quarterback, and I don't care how bad their season has been. Uh, it, we've seen all we need to see about Kansas City and what they bring. That Once they get the wheels rolling on that offense, Travis Kelsey and others, look out because <laughs> they know how to keep you know, body motion stays in motion. They know how to keep that offensive body in motion when it comes to the offensive onslaught. Again, using the Baltimore game as an example, they could not be stopped. They weren't even close to being stopped when it comes to that offense. It was just ground and pound every single drive that they had. Yeah, big game quarterbacks. You think Joe Montana, you think obviously Tom Brady and all the Super Bowl victories. But I, I mentioned it before last weekend about Mahomes. I, I don't know where he sits on your rankings, but he's easily in the top five all time. And, you know, he gets it done again on Sunday. Yes, he doesn't have the total that that Brady does, but I, I, I still think at his age and the fact that he's still got a long way to go, um, Patrick Mahomes is is right there in that conversation at any level with any quarterback already, whether he wins or not on Sunday, just, just absolutely phenomenal. And, and think about it. We talked all this football. We, we previewed Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, no mention of Taylor Swift. And I think the only other big story that needs to be dealt with, will she be able to get from the, and I don't, I don't know if there have been any other stories. If she is planning on doing the show in Tokyo and then flying all night or all day, I guess I don't know how that works with the international dateline. Do you go back in time when you fly? Anyway, um, will, will she be in Vegas? I, I, I don't know if there have been any stories on that, Josh. Yeah, it's uh, as far as I know, it's I think only I think I checked the other day. It's only a fourteen-hour difference, but yes, it is technically going back in uh, time. I believe yes, it's going back in time because as it happens every year on New Year's Eve, I always check to see uh, what New Zealand and Australia are doing to celebrate the New Year. So I know for a fact that it is definitely you know. Uh, their time is advanced of us, and then once you get, you know, I don't even know where the uh, coordinates are, but there is an international dateline that is allowing Taylor Swift to uh, to make it. So I can't wait to can't wait to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, um, here here here's something, and and this was from people, and we we've got to get this in because people want to know. There's been a lot of speculation about all of this. And this was updated on Friday from people, and I think they would know this kind of stuff. 
Uh, the Embassy of Japan in Washington, D.C. joined the Choir of Voices addressing Taylor Swift's busy travel schedule in February. After Kansas City punched their ticket to the Super Bowl, people wondered if she would be there because she has a concert in Tokyo on the 10th. Would she be able to attend the February 11th game in Las Vegas? And the embassy, leveraging Swift's album titles, Speak Now, Fearless, and Red in a statement, assumed Swifties in the NFL that the mastermind singer could comfortably make the trek. Despite the 12-hour flight and 17-hour time difference, the embassy can confidently speak now uh, to say that if she departs Tokyo in the evening after her concert, she should comfortably arrive in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. (laughs) There you go. So there is one report from People Magazine. Uh, They've they've done their due diligence that that the timing will work out, that if she chooses to do their show in Tokyo and head to Vegas, she can be there. And I would assume the financial wherewithal um, to uh, get whatever jet necessary to do it, uh, she would have the money to do that, that that she would be able to arrange uh, a charter from Tokyo to Las Vegas. 5.24 here at News Talk, A3OWCCO. We'll update the golf. Uh, bad weather in California, but they are playing the third round PGA Tour at Pebble Beach. It's one of those elevated events, a uh, smaller field, no cut, a lot of big names. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk, A3OWCCO. We did get a text on the all-important topic of Taylor Swift making it from Tokyo to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl in eight days. And someone said, well, she has a private jet. Yeah, pro golfers fly private jets, a lot, lot of celebrities, um, et cetera. And I would assume Taylor Swift flies on a private jet. Question is, is the jet capable of making the long-haul flight from Tokyo back to the mainland. You know, would would they be like a 787 or a long-haul Airbus, like like the Boeing 787 and other long-haul aircraft that make uh, transatlantic flights or trans-Pacific flights, like the flights that leave from L.A. and go to Australia, uh, Sydney or Melbourne? for instance. I don't know if even the biggest superstars have jets capable of doing that. Can they charter them? Yes. So I I, I don't know. I would assume when she's doing a tour here in the States or over in Europe, yeah, she has a private jet and there's there's tons of uh, Gulf streams, etc., capable of making those hops. But I, I think Getting airborne in Tokyo and flying back anywhere to the States, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., or a little further inland to Vegas, does her private jet, is it capable of that? I I do not know that. By the way, golf weather could certainly impact uh, the PGA Tour. 
They're at Pebble Beach this week. It is uh, one of the elevated events this year, so it's a limited field, uh, more guaranteed money for the playoffs. Wyndham Clark, your leader at 17 under par. Uh, Matthew Pavan, the Frenchman, two back. Ludwig Aberg, two back as well at 15 under par. Mark Hubbard in a group at 14 under par. Uh, Jason Day, minus 13. Tom Hoagie from Fargo, along with Justin Thomas at minus 13. Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns at minus 12. Justin Rose, Keegan Bradley, Patrick Cantley at minus 11. But they're worried about heavy rain, one to two inches of rain, and very windy along the coast, Monterey Peninsula tomorrow. And I, I read a note that the PGA Tour is prepared to not play on Sunday and finish Monday or even Tuesday uh, due to the storm, due to come ashore tonight. They are playing right now, and they're in good shape to get the the third round in. But uh, tomorrow at Pebble Beach, I, the, the forecast, I can't imagine they're going to get on the forecast. Uh, wind gusts to 30 or 40 miles an hour. Some spots on the coast could see wind gusts to 70 miles an hour in, in parts of California. So uh, that is the latest on the golf. By the way, at the barn earlier today, the Minnesota men beat Northwestern 75-66 in overtime. All five starters and double figures. Dawson Garcia led the way with 20. Go for his 5-5 five and five in the Big Ten, 14-7 and seven overall. And if they keep this up, Big Ten tournament here in town at Target Center. Could they be uh, NCAA tournament bound? Things are trending that way. That is good news. 532, we'll have an update on our weather. It looks like good news. If you like mild weather, that trend will continue, and we'll have it for you in a moment here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Gopher men got a win at the barn today. Gopher women on the road at Michigan State on Monday. And they need a W. They've dropped three in a row to the Badgers, the Illini, and the Nittany Lions. And, of course, Mara Braun went down with an injury. So Don Plitzewhite and the Golden Gopher women's team needs a W. Once again, they'll be at Michigan State on Monday. That'll be a 6 o'clock start our time. And, by the way, Golden Gopher women's hockey tonight at Ritter against St. Thomas. Golden Gopher men's hockey on the road at Wisconsin, taking on the number four Badgers, border battle showdown. Golden Gopher is trying for a sweep there. Uh, let's get you up to date on what's going on with Minnesota United FC and he covers the loons for the Star Tribune. Jerry Zagoda joins us. Jerry, good to visit with you. Hey, Steve. How are you? Yeah, good, good. A loons training down in Arizona and Tucson. Uh, they, they had to go down to Arizona to get out of the horrible weather in these parts as of late. It's kind of funny. They could train here right now. Yeah, I think when they first started the first week in Blaine, it was pretty chilly. Yeah. Some, of the guys who hadn't, some of the guys who hadn't been here before. We're shaking their heads about it, but they got out of town for about 10 days, and uh, I think they came back Thursday maybe, and now they're home for a couple of days, and they're going to uh, Palm Springs for about 10 days. So they, they, they got it, yeah, but they could. You could almost uh, get outside of the bubble the last couple of days. Yeah, and th- this is a club in, in turmoil. Adrian Heath is gone. Uh, they're, they're trying to sort them, some things out, but – uh, you, your your colleague, columnist Lavelli Neal III, 
uh, did a piece on the club that uh, was published online today, and it, it kind of spells out what, what's going on with, with this club in transition at the moment, and the season's coming up quickly, Jerry. Yeah, they've, you know, they're on their second interim uh, head coach uh, after uh, they, they fired Heath with two games to go last fall. But, uh, you know, I guess it depends what you look at. It. Say starting the season without a coach is in turmoil, or they'll say, you know, we, we're waiting for the guys, the guy we wanted to get. I know that they've been kind of uh, – uh, Cameron Knowles, the interim uh, coach, has been working with, with the players in practice with some instructions from the from the new uh, – um, chief soccer officer, I guess, as they call Khalid El Ahmad. Yeah, um, they they did get some good news, and that was Emmanuel Reynoso. Uh, Loons fans, casual observers would remember he wasn't with the club for a long time, and there was some question: What's going on? Will he ever appear? Will 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 he ever come back to Minnesota United FC? Ultimately, he did uh, he is reported. That's certainly good to have a player of his caliber in the fold early. Yeah, he only missed a week this time, not four months. Yeah. So, um, but it'll be interesting because the, the new guy, by all accounts, I've talked to people who played with him. He he uh, has an interesting story. I mean, he was uh, grew up or was born in Lebanon, grew up in uh, Sweden, and played for uh, University of Milwaukee. So he has some familiarity with the. Uh, with the Midwest, but he's by all accounts, he's a real team guy, real culture guy. So uh, we'll see if anybody gives an indication that they don't really want to be here. We'll, we'll see how he handles those situations. But uh, from everything I've heard about him, you know, no, no one person is bigger than the club. So we'll see what that means and see, you know, if, if, uh, uh, you know, Reynoso, obviously their best player, but we'll, we'll, uh, See what happens here when the season starts in, in three weeks. Yeah, and, and Jerry, for Minnesota United FC, they, they broke into the league. They started at uh, the U, and I think at the time it was TCF Bank Stadium, now Huntington Bank Stadium. Then, of course, Allianz Field was built, and uh, a, a great venue and terrific support. But what we've learned is Major League Soccer has expanded, and like a lot of other sports, I, I, I don't want to compare it to Major League Baseball, but, but there are some big money clubs in Major League Soccer. There's there's no doubt that there appears to be, um, it, it feels like that structure financially in Major League Soccer at this point. Yeah, obviously you got the teams, the Miamis with the yep. Messi, of course, you know, LAFC, um, but so with this team here, you know they all, they nearly made it to the to the MLS Cup Finals a couple of years ago, and uh, you know they have the talent I think to, to be better than they have the last couple of years. So I mean I, I think it ultimately comes down to at least with with the loons it is you know they haven't been able to find those guys who are the most expensive guys, the guys who can score, you know who put who can make something out of nothing. Um, you know they've gone through a long list of trying to find strikers. Now they've, they're paying their highest salary of the team Upuki, uh, the uh, striker from Finland, and he came in midway through last season. And you know it takes a while for uh, a player like that internationally come in after his season to, to acclimate. So we'll see uh, if he's finally the guy. But that's been their biggest problem. They don't have the guy who can uh, 
can can score and can you know can can just turn a goal and um, they you know, they've tried finding them and there's a whole long list of them but we'll, we'll see if this next guy's the what the guy yeah and elite goal scoring it's kind of like the NHL you know easier said than done everybody wants elite goal scoring the Wild appear to have found one in Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, another guy that, that seemed to be a big loss for the club was when Robin Lud went down with, with an injury. Where, where does he stand? Should he be good to go for the 24 campaign? Yeah, all I've heard, he should be ready. He uh, he was doing stuff last late last fall. I don't think he was quite ready to play, and they didn't, they didn't ask him to play. But, you know, it's been almost a year now, a year April, so... Um, uh, we'll see how he comes through. They, they've got kind of three more friendly games that are going to play out in uh, in Palm Springs, and uh, we'll, we'll see how they assess him, whether um, he'll be ready to go or whether they they need to give him a little bit more of the beginning of the season off. Now, now Jerry, have you been able to get a, a travel budget out of the boss to go out and 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 cover the club in, in Arizona or Palm Springs? Will you make that trip? That's a good one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, Steve. I'd love to. That's a good idea. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See if that gets approved. I, I, I know you're on the golf beat as well, and there's been a lot of turmoil in golf. Uh, first and foremost, I love this West Coast swing and the fact they're at Pebble Beach today, and it's an elevated event. A lot of the big names are there. Uh it, it appears as though the weather is going to be a gigantic challenge. I mentioned that before we uh, got on the air here at the bottom of the hour when I looked at the leaderboard. They're expecting another big storm, one to two inches of rain, wind gusts of 30 or 40 miles an hour tomorrow. I, I doubt they're going to play. It sounds like they're willing to wait till Monday or Tuesday uh, to finish at, at, at Pebble Beach. I, I sure would like to get the visuals of a storm, but I, I'll, I'll tell you what, every year, I, I don't know about you, but from Torrey Pines up to Pebble Beach, uh, then they, they go to Scottsdale, Super Bowl weekend, and then after that, Riviera in L.A., if you're a fan of golf, I don't know if that stretch, there's there's anything better. Yeah, they've been lucky the last couple of years. They've had really yeah. good weather because you can get really uh, terrible weather. Did everybody oh. finish today? Yeah, they, they they just wrapped up the round. I think everybody's off the course. Third round is complete. Scotty Scheffler uh, made a birdie on 18, and he sits three out the lead. So Wyndham Clark, your leader at 17 under par, and then Scotty Scheffler, Tom Hoagie uh, from Fargo, Justin Thomas. Uh, that that group lurks four back, but I, I don't know how they play tomorrow. I, that, that may end up a 54-hole event. Yeah, I I wonder because I did see a story that they 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 were willing to to wait around until Monday or even Tuesday if need be, but I haven't seen any official word. So uh, a note on that. And then beyond that, Jerry on the golf beat, three uh, M Open PGA Tour stops here. Any more sense on what's going to shake out with with Live the Saudi back tour and the PGA? You hearing anything on that front? If if they're going to finally get a deal done, if there's going to be some sort of merger, I haven't. It's been really pr- pretty quiet on that front, and um, uh, we'll see because they need some kind of resolution. Because you know, the, if, if you're not one of these designated events, or obviously a, a 
major, you know, those events are having a hard time getting a field. And uh, um, I, don't, I don't know what the answer to it is. You know, they when they announced the whole thing, it was like it sure seemed kind of premature to announce it. And it's, that's kind of playing out the way it is. Yeah, a um, lot, lot up in the air. But we do know the, the PGA Tour will be back at TPC of the Twin Cities this summer. Uh, Jerry, with, with the mild weather, have you been able to tee it up locally? I haven't, although I know there's some places that barely have even <laughs> even closed this year. You know, they've shut down for a couple of days and they've opened right up. So, uh, you know what, uh, the golf show's coming up, I think, this week, and uh, I may drop by there. There's probably a lot of happy people. The ski people, not so much, but uh, I think the – I think the golf industry, this you know, has made a difference for a lot of uh, courses that are, um, you know, not not the private or the, the the city courses, but people who just own courses. This has made a, makes a big difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. Being able to tear tee it up uh, in in January or February in these parts are rare indeed. Well, Jerry, good to visit with you, and, and good luck on on getting the funding. Uh, to check out the loons out in the desert. That, that'd be a fun trip. I'm rooting for last it. Time, the last time I was at Coachella was for a rock concert. So <laughs> that's soccer. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Jerry. Good to visit with you. All right. Thanks, Steve. There he is, Jerry Zagoda, a uh, longtime sports writer at the Star Tribune, covers the loons. And um, here we go. Uh, just three weeks away from the start of the loon season. And, of course, uh, twins, pitchers and catchers later this month. Spring training gets started in the 24th season underway. By the way, check out the podcast we visited with uh, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune earlier in the show. He kind of laid out the details. Uh, the twins are back with Bally Sports North, and it doesn't look like he'll be able to buy a streaming-only package to catch the twins this year. Uh, you, you'll need some sort of cable TV deal or a direct TV or direct TV stream uh, to be able to get uh, the home nine on television. You will be able to hear every game on the radio here on News Talk, A3O-WCCO with Chris Atterbury and company. 11 minutes now in front of 6 o'clock here at News Talk, A3O-WCCO. Hey, big thanks to all our guests joining us on the program today. Right out of the gate, Stephen Clark covers space flight for Ars Technica. Uh, we visited with Phil Miller from the Star Tribune about uh, the Twins spring training. Uh, we we got into the the big news about uh, television, and of course, uh, the Twins signing an old nemesis is in the fold. Uh, veteran slugger has uh, signed a deal with the Twins. So Carlos Santana uh, joins the club. Uh, Steve Carney took us outdoors. Jess Myers from the rink live down in Madison. Uh, women's and men's hockey doubleheader, including the Gophers and the Badgers tonight. Kevin Lynch, Valley Sports North. And uh, good to visit with Jerry Zagoto, who covers the Loons. Uh, for the Star Tribune, Wild in uh, the All-Star break right now. And the question becomes, how do they approach the rest of the season? I I don't know if there is any other approach than try to win games and if you can get on a roll, sneak into the playoffs. But uh, that that seems to be a tall order at this point. One other sports note, a NASCAR season gets started 
unofficially tonight. It is an exhibition, but uh, the the third annual Bushlight Clash is at the LA Coliseum. It's supposed to be on Sunday, but because of the bad weather, expected to impact much of California. Uh, overnight tonight and tomorrow. They're going to run that tonight at the Coliseum. And, Josh, I don't know if you've seen any video of this in the past, but but they actually set up a racetrack on the floor of the L.A. Coliseum and the cars race, and they're going to do that tonight. So it looks it interesting. Gonna, yeah, it, it really is insane. And, and they moved that up because they expect torrential rain potentially flooding in Southern California and particularly L.A. So they moved it up, and um, they're, they're, they're trying to refund tickets and parking, and et cetera. But they've moved it up, and they're going to run it tonight in L.A. So if you want to catch some motorsports, and then, of course, everything heads for Florida and speed weeks, and later in the month, the Daytona 500, the Great American Race. So the clash, uh, man, I thought, th- wasn't this a big story? Didn't they do this last year? I suppose they do this every yeah, year. Yeah, it's the third, it's the third year. Okay. That they've, they've been there. And the question, Jordan Bianchi, who covers motorsports for the athletic and, and got a start here and now covers NASCAR and other motorsports for the athletic has joined us from time to time. And he was speculating, is this the final year? And are they going to move this event around a little bit? it's kind of, you know, get the season started, have kind of an exhibition event, kind of a lead-up to the Daytona 500. So we'll we'll see about it. But once again, uh, they've moved it up to tonight to avoid bleak L.A. weather on Sunday. And speaking of the weather here, not, not bleak at all. 37 now will bottom out at 29 tonight under cloudy skies. And then on Sunday, sunny and 46. Monday, partly sunny, 47. Tuesday, sunny, 53. Wednesday, cloudy, 53. And then on Thursday, rain moves in high around 50. A little cooler on Friday, maybe rain or snow on 43. And then on Saturday, one week from today, partly sunny and 38. So still mild indeed. Big thanks to Josh Wheeler, our producer, Big thanks to all our guests, but most of all, thanks to you for tuning in here to News Talk, E3OWCCO. We have the news and weather coming up next. And then, of course, don't forget the huddle. Dave Schwartz, Pete Najarian, our sports coverage continues Sunday between 10 and noon here on CCO.